are listening to another episode of the Coach's Circle Podcast, brought to you by LifeCoachPath.com. Our goal is to explore all the different ways you can craft your own career in the fields of coaching, wellness, and mental health. Each episode features guests who offer an authentic perspective on their own unique career path and explores ways you might begin to craft your own. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit www.lifecoachpath.com. And now, here's your host, Brandon Baker. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Circle podcast. Today's special guest is Raina Lombardi. She is a board-certified art therapist and the founder of Florida Art Therapy Services in Fort Myers, Florida. Hi, Raina. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brandon. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm excited to to learn more about this kind of unique angle on therapy that um, that you spend every day working in. And um, we were kind of discussing a little bit before we went on air. I'm I'm surrounded by art every day of my life. My 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 two daughters and my wife are all quite artistic, and so this is something close to my heart. Um, and yeah, so let's just start off with a bit more about you and your background and what prompted you to to get into art therapy. Oh my goodness, it's a lot. I well, know that's, <laughs> it is. It is a lot. Um, so when I was in, uh, when I was growing up and, and like starting college, I was very unsure about what I wanted to do. I really didn't know. I knew that I really loved art and I imagined helping people. And I thought that would be in nursing. And so I started going in that direction. I started working in the medical model and I realized I, I am not cut out for this. This is just not me. I am really about the relationship with people and, and I'm passionate about building relationships. And so that part was great, but the other part was not for me. So I was like, I really need to reroute and I don't know what I want to do. And so I knew that I loved art. And so I switched my major to art. And as I was in school, somebody had suggested that I volunteer at this really wonderful organization called Creative Clay Cultural Arts Center. And it's in St. Petersburg, Florida. And what they do there, um, they work with adults with developmental disabilities, and they probably do more than that now. Um, When I first got exposed to them. They had just started. They had just opened. These two social workers created this program and and they really wanted the people that they worked with to have um, dignity and make meaning and feel like they were um, valuable contributors to the world and their community. And so they um, had them come into this really cool studio and had different artists come in and teach them and they created art and they sold their art and and they did a bunch of different things but that exposed me to the world of art therapy I had never heard of it before I had Mm -hmm. no idea that it existed and when I learned about it I was like oh my goodness I found my found it yeah and so at that point, I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, and, and so I just, you know, continued working on my education in order to get 
get a graduate degree in art therapy and mental health counseling. And, um, and so from there, I started working and, um, and after a while of working, I really realized I wanted to have my own business and be able to serve in a way that I wanted to serve and not work within the confines and constraints of um, mental health agencies and organizations or educational institutions, which has, you know, um, they're structured in such a way for a reason, but I felt like I wanted to be able to do more than that. I wanted to be able to express myself more than that through the work that I do. And I thought the best way to do that was through opening a practice. And so that is what I eventually went on to do. And since then, um, you know, I first started working by myself, seeing clients, and then I have added on other therapists that help me. And after that, I was like, you know what, I think I want to do a little bit of training. So now we offer continuing education for therapists through the practice. And after that, I was like, you know what? I think I want to do consultations for other therapists to open their own practices too, so that they can expand beyond what they think is possible, right? I want people to get out of the box. I really am at behind everything I do. And I think behind everything everybody does is a spark of creativity. It all starts with the imagination. We allow ourselves to imagine, um, then we can move out and grow and expand and create. I think we're all born creators. And um, what we do in entrepreneurship and in business is just, you know, part of that creativity. And so I have a consultation business, it's called uh, Creative Clinicians Corner. And um, I do, uh, I offer um, consulting for other therapists that want to open their own business and practice, but they're not necessarily sure how, they don't necessarily know all of the ins and outs of business. Most therapists aren't very good at setting fees. They don't really mm. value um, their work high enough, um, but part of that has to do with stigma and mental health um, and like messaging of uh, limiting belief messages around what um mental health workers should be paid. And so oftentimes when people um, hear, oh, you're going into therapy or, or you're going to be a therapist, aren't you worried about how much money you're going to make? You know, you're not going to make too much money in that field. And that starts to become internalized. And so mm. part of my passion is helping therapists break through those boundaries and, um, and expand um, beyond so that they can command fees that um, really do substantiate their worth. It takes a lot of education education and training to be able to do what we do. And, um, and it's important to value that. And so part of that work, I also have a podcast and, and that's called the uh, creative psychotherapist. And yeah, so that's a little bit about me and how I started and kind of part of my journey. I, I omitted some things. But. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there's definitely some things omitted in a in a five minute summary of your life. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but you know what? I have to. I have to say. I hope none of the other guests on the show feel um, insulted by this. But this is definitely one of my favorite 
introductions because you touched on so many things that I find important. Um, not only the, you know, jump to being an entrepreneur, uh, you, you, you touched upon the knowing how to value yourself. I think that's such an important thing. And most of all, the thing that really reached out to me is the courage that it took at every step of the way. And I'm not even sure if you felt that it was mm. courageous at the time, but I mean, hearing your story, right? Like you want, you knew you wanted to help people. Okay. And the typical route, right, would be like you said, nursing or anything like that. And you, you kind of wanted something a bit different. And I think going maybe outside of the mold, um, is already a kind of a step in courage. And then you didn't want to do it in the traditional psychotherapeutic, uh, you know, kind of, uh, what's wrong with the client? What 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 diagnosis can we put on the client? Um, you know, so you kind of went a different route there. So that's another act of courage. I think that you said, you know what, I'm going to approach it from um, kind of a more positive perspective and and eventually an art centered focus. And then mm-hmm. you know the the decision to go into private practice was another courageous step. And so anyway, this this kept going on and on. And um, I'm not sure if you saw it that way at the time, but I definitely hear it. And I think anybody listening who is at any of those stages that you just mentioned, whether it is the, you know, I'm currently in a different field, but I really have, I really resonate more with, with that person to person relationship. Um, maybe they're already a therapist, but they want to branch out to something that speaks out more to them, right? So any of those steps mm-hmm. that the listeners are at, I'm so glad that you gave that introduction because showing that courage, I think, is one of the most effective ways for somebody to do it in their own lives because it shows that, you know what, this is possible. You can make your practice your own. You can put your stamp on your practice uh, you know, that, that comes from whatever speaks to you totally yeah yes yeah there's so there's infinite possibilities when we when we befriend our fear and we put ourselves out there and we take risks to do things that haven't been done before and then when you do it you go oh wow that was cool (laughs) what else what else is possible what else can I do how else can I grow and I feel like I'm still, I'm still in process. I, it's like an, a cycle and an evolution that um, I don't think will stop. I think in some ways I'm addicted to that um, in, in the cycle of growth and development. Mm-hmm. And of course, being an entrepreneur, it really pushes you that into that. Being a therapist does too. But then when you put the entrepreneurship piece on top of being a therapist, whoa, <laughs> then you really have to get into what's going on in my head, what's holding me back that are invisible barriers that I've created with my mind, mm-hmm. right? The yeah. imagination. We can use it to create, but we can also use it to limit. And I want to use it to create and I want to help other people use it to create because we are natural born creators. Every single one of us, that is part of what is being human is right. We're, we're here to solve problems. We're here to make changes. We're here to develop things. And I mean, just look at the world around us. You know, you're in New York city and you walk out in New York city and you go, Whoa, people made those monstrous buildings that are still they're so tall 
and they're and they're standing up there. It just it's amazing. Yeah, it's stuff we take for granted on a regular day, but um, the the key is to is to not take that for granted because you're right. There's there's so much uh, wisdom and creativity that went behind all that at some point. Um, and I, the the one other thing I I want to say before we kind of transition a little bit into the specific work you're doing is that, you know, I, I've been an entrepreneur for about 10 years now. And I mean, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. And the, the one thing I would say for anybody to, if they, if they want to thrive in the role of business owner or entrepreneur, just as you said, the number one trait I would recommend is to start enjoying the unknown, to start enjoying the free fall, the, the kind of loss mm-hmm. of control. And I, I use that word specifically, enjoying it. It's not just tolerating it. It's not just accepting it. It's like you really have to enjoy that kind of dangerous feeling of this is not predictable. I don't know if this is going to fail. And I want to keep doing it over and over again. Um, I, it, as hard as it is for some people to to genuinely start to enjoy that, I do think that is the healthiest mindset to have when you're getting into this. Um, I love that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. If you're not enjoying it, oh, then then it's probably not right for you. And and I don't think that entrepreneurship is right for everybody, mm-hmm. but I think it's right for more people than than actually than are they doing see it. it for themselves. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted to just give listeners a better idea as to what art therapy is. I know that you mentioned that when you first heard of it, it was just kind of this completely brand new concept that you, I mean, even somebody who enjoyed art and was, you know, you would probably describe yourself as artistic at that time that you first found out about art therapy, you still didn't really know much about it. So I'm sure a yeah. lot of listeners are kind of in the same boat. So, um, yeah, just, I guess, briefly explain um, how, how you see art therapy and, and giving maybe some specific examples of uh, maybe some of the most common challenges your clients are facing and how engaging in art therapy can help them uh, move past those. Sure. Yeah. So art, art therapy is difficult to simply describe because it is a very it's very complex in nature due to because it's so creative and depending upon the population that one might find themselves working with the way one practices is is going to look totally different and so really art therapy at the core, no matter, you know, who you're working with, it's really using the creative process to aid somebody in making meaning, making sense of their life, um, developing insights and awareness, um, tapping into their unconscious, bringing the unseen forward so that they can see it and break free from limiting beliefs. Um, And, and it's about giving them healthy coping strategies and um, for adults to be able to allow themselves time to be playful and have fun and not, not take themselves so seriously. Um, but there's also a lot of um, uh, psychological principles and theories 
uh, along with arts-based theories that are integrated with the creative process in order to achieve um, specific goals and outcomes related to why someone is seeking out therapy in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, the way I may work with um, a senior who is experiencing um, early stages of dementia or uh, some other type of neurocognitive impairment is going to look very different from somebody who is coming and working with me due to a history of complex childhood trauma. Mm. And, um, and so in both cases, we're pulling from, uh, we're, we're grounding in the psychological theories that relate to that individual. We're looking at um, developmental psychology and really tailoring, okay, what, what stage of development is that person in? And, and, and how do I integrate that into the interventions, the art interventions that I'm creating and structuring for that person. I tend to work in a very um, combination, either sometimes I'll be very expressive and open and, and allow people just to select different materials um, and create something about how they're feeling today. Or it might be something more specific where we are creating a um, we're creating a series of images to go into a book that is all about um, memory and um, positive memories and experiences that somebody had, like to be able for them to reminisce after our time together. Um, or it could be if I'm working with. Um, children, let's say, uh, we might be creating in more of um, a directed way in order for them to name and identify and understand their emotional experience so that they have words to express and talk about it versus communicating through their behavior, which might be getting them in trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's so, I always find it so challenging to give somebody a synopsis of what art therapy is because it, it's so complex. And that's one of the things that's really beautiful about it is it has the capability of being individualized so that anyone in any virtually any circumstance can utilize this process in a life enhancing and healing way. Right. It's so widely applicable to age, you know, across age groups, across, um, you know, the types of issues that the clients are facing. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's obviously something you want when choosing a niche or a focus on your therapy practices. It should be something that maybe doesn't just apply to one small subsection, one, um, you know, just one specific type of therapy, something that can be applied across, across yeah. a lot. Yeah. I talk a lot about, um, a lot about that with, uh, people that I work with that are, you know, trying to figure that out. And I'm like, well, you're you, as a creative arts therapist, you know, that is your niche. 
you don't necessarily have to niche down into a specific population where, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of uh, focus of this idea of the riches are in the niches, right? Like we hear that a lot. You need to tailor your marketing. It's a common topic Um, on the show. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And, and, And I get that. But I think as a creative arts therapist, that that unique perspective is the niche. And you might find that you serve several different types of populations through your practice. And that for me is what I need. If I were working with the same type of individual all day, every day, I would get really bored and I wouldn't feel challenged. And um, I don't think that I would be able to do my best work and give um, give of myself in a way where I'm really having maximum benefit for the person that I'm working with. So I, I feel fortunate. I get to work with all different types of people throughout the lifespan and, and different um challenges that they're experiencing but at the end of the day they're all human Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think if there's anything that listeners of the show will take from from the different perspectives we've had is that you should allow allow your passion to be the niche not necessarily one subset one type of problem i mean if one type of problem is your passion then by all Mm -hmm. means let that be your niche but we've had guests on the show that have focused on a philosophical uh aspect of coaching because this particular guest you know her passion was philosophy i've had another guest on the show that focuses just on millennials you know her passion was focusing on millennials and then of course there's other Mm. therapists and coaches that do niche down and focus on let's say trauma or or grief Mm -hmm. um or transitions right because that more common more more conventional idea of a niche happens to be their passion so yeah, I think what you're what you're making so clear is that it should be that whatever calls out to you, not whatever society or whatever the institution tells you or the here are the options you have for a niche, you know, whatever calls out to you should be the niche. I think that's kind of the bottom line about that. Yes. Yeah. That yeah, you said that so well and um I think that it's so important that we are who we are no matter what we're doing, because when we step away and we step outside of who we are, it doesn't feel authentic and it doesn't feel right. And that's when we start to find ourselves burning out or dissatisfied with the work that we're doing. Um, Yeah. yeah, I think we have to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, I, I want to also discuss, I mean, our current reality now in the light in the age of COVID and everything being done remotely, you know, a lot of <laughs> a lot of coaches and there and maybe therapists as well listening to the show, they find themselves in this new world at the beginning stage of their careers. And one consideration, of course, at this point is the kind of permanent reality of remote therapy. It's it's kind of you know, mm-hmm. once COVID is a thing of the past, remote therapy is here to stay. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty much been one you know permanent result of COVID that I think um, has become clear by now. So, what I wanted to ask you was, 
you know, obviously your method, your techniques, your approach is so effective with clients in person. Um, how does it differ when it's remote? And um, does a remote environment maybe even offer some opportunity that, that maybe an in-person setting didn't? Or how, how do you navigate that now? Oh my gosh, this is that's such a great question. And I think it's something that many therapists are really exploring right now because many of us have had to really um, force us to explore alternative options of what's possible um, when we're doing, you know, using these technologies to facilitate um, therapy. And if you're an expressive arts therapist, how can you integrate digital um, technology into the creative process and utilize that so that you can continue to be creative while you're in the telehealth session, even though you might not be using, you know, traditional um, media. Um, so that's one thing. And there are so many different options that people can use. Like in Zoom, there's the whiteboard feature and you can do so many different things there. Mm -hmm. And what's cool is you can um, you can work together with a client there because th they can either do something independently or you can do something jointly. Um, but there are other uh, technology platforms that are out there that people have used. I have people making collages in um, like Google Slides and then sharing their Google Slides with wow. me That's with cool. the screen share. Yeah. So and where we, we might use like cutouts and stuff in the um, therapy room because I have a, a huge uh, selection of magazines and things and we can't do that, right? But but they were able to do that using the um, like Google feature and finding images from the internet and creating a Google a collage in the Google slide. And, um, and then we were able to process it and process what it mean, means. And, um, you know, so there are other ways of doing things. I'm not going to say that it's not been challenging, particularly with younger clients. Um, and with the younger clients that, that has been, it's been different uh, for me. I know some of the things that um, we've been doing were more like, let's do a scavenger hunt around your house. Uh, mm. Find <laughs> find something in your house that um, makes you mad and show that to me or find something in your house that um, you love and you cherish and it's one of your favorite things. Find something in your house that helps you feel safe. Um, so thinking about thing again, it's that creative perspective and how can I, how can I allow my imagination to work with me instead of against me, right? How can I get myself out of the box of, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work because we've never done it before. And um, we, you know, we shouldn't have to be doing it this way. And, you know, those kinds of resistant um, thoughts that come up whenever there's change. And um, I'm not going to say that I don't ever have those because I do too. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but it's something that I work really hard at, um, you know, trying to uh, minimize and, and shift from be like, okay, I'm noticing you next, pushing you right along. Um, mm. 
how can I how can I think about this from a creative perspective and and make it work for both um, the client and and myself and so that we can accomplish our goals together. And the other piece is I've had clients that have their own set of art supplies. And so they're creating in their space and then they're showing their artwork to me um, and, uh, and we're talking about it there. All summer, I had a group of um, like kids and one adolescent, they were all... Um, all of them had uh, fell on the autism spectrum and we had an art-based group and it was all online and, um, and oh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was great. I did a lot of um, like breaking things down. And so we were, we were creating specific um, there are specific art tasks that we were doing and the focus was allowing them to have some self-expression through the intervention, but then also the social interaction piece of asking questions about each other's artwork and about each other and um, maintaining those social relationships and, and dynamics. So, and that worked out really well. And, and it was online and they were in their home and set up their parents set them up at the dining room table and set up the computer in such a way that um you know we could see them we could see each other and what they were doing creatively and you know it worked out that's great yeah i think you're just giving more evidence to how widely applicable your chosen focus is, you know, art therapy. Um, obviously, it's something you can do in office, you can do at home. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could sit in on one of these sessions and just kind of see <laughs> how it works. I'm trying to imagine it in my head. And it, it sounds it sounds great. Um, I, I wanted to <clears throat> I wanted to end on kind of the opposite uh, of everything we've talked about so far. I mean, so far, clearly, you've shown that um, it can be quite effective. It can be fun. It, it's it's backed in science. And I think these are all kind of necessary components to any focus you have in your therapy practice or coaching practice. Sure. Um, but I want to ask you a question that I like to ask at the end of the show, which is, what would you say has been kind of the most challenging aspect, kind of, kind of the other side? What What part of your art therapy, you know, um, work, whether it's the business side or whether it's um, on the client side or whether it's something personal, what do you consider to be the most challenging aspect of the work you've done thus far? And how did you work to overcome that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, I think for me, probably the most challenging thing about my career as an art therapist, and, and I think that there are a lot of other art therapists that can relate depending upon where they live um, and how common and prevalent art therapy is in their, in their like chosen um, area, right? Mm -hmm. And you're in New York, there's a lot of um, oh, yeah. <laughs> graduate training in art therapy. So there's art therapists everywhere there. And there's lots of art therapy programs. People are much more aware of it and they know about it. They've seen about it. They've heard about it. They know somebody who's done it. When I, um, when I moved to 
Fort Myers. I went to grad school in Boston area and then moved to Fort Myers in 2005. It was the end of 2005. I didn't see an advertised position for art therapy for several years. And then I saw one and it was with a local hospice agency. Um, And literally there, like there were only a few art therapists in the area. And then oftentimes because there's not a lot of opportunity, they leave. And, um, and so even when I was first starting and I needed to have my supervision in order to get credentialed, I needed to be, have my work supervised by another credentialed art therapist. She ended up moving for greater opportunities. And then I was like, oh my gosh, there's literally no one here to even provide me with the last bit of supervision that I need. So I ended up having to do that via telehealth. And that was a really long time ago before it was popular. And, um, and that has started engaging me in a different way too, but that's a different story. (laughs) And, um, but I, but I think really what I'm, the point that I'm getting at was while I was, while I was working out in the field, I ended up having to take jobs that were not art therapy in order to be able to work and try to get art therapy to squeeze into this other mold. And that was really tough. It was really hard. And that was one of the reasons why I was like, I need to go out and do my own thing so that I I'm not pressed up against these limitations any longer. I can work in the way that I want to work, um, you know, in, in session, but also really um, breaking the barriers of what is possible. Like my husband owns a, a boat. Uh, he has, he's a private boat charter business and he does eco tours mm-hmm. and cause we're on the water here. And so one of the things that I've been doing over the years is integrating, integrating, um, doing group type therapy with his boat. So we'll take people out on the boat oh, and so cool. go to a remote beach and, um, do eco interventions on the beach Um, which is only accessible by boat. Um, I was doing for a short period of time, uh, did some groups with a substance abuse agency where we took out um, clients. And it was like the first time they were out on a boat recreating without using. And, um, And so, you know, we're able to work in a different way when we're, when we allow ourselves to break free from the mold. And that was the one thing I think that was possibly good about being here, right? There's always both sides to the coin. When I first started, it was frustrating because I couldn't find an art therapy job. I couldn't find one. I had to figure out how to get another job that would allow me to work in mental health um, and, and give me the opportunity to practice my skills as an art therapist and, and do that work. And then I got to the point where I was like, I don't want to compromise anymore. But if I were in another environment where there were so many opportunities to do art therapy, would I have found myself Mm. pushing out and reaching out and going out into entrepreneurship when I did? (laughs) 
you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that's, you know, how I over overcame it. And, um, and part of it now is like, well, now what I do is try my best to educate the community about what I do. So anytime I can speak about what art therapy is, I try to be able to do that um, to really expand people about, hey, here's this option and there are art therapists in the community doing work and um and now there are a couple of other um art therapy positions around here but at first there was really nothing Mm. yeah you're reminding me of something that my my best friend in college his dad one time told me if you can't find your perfect job then you need to make one and um, that's that's exactly what you I did. like him. Yeah. Uh, that, well, that's what he's been doing his whole life. And he, I think, said exactly what you did. You know, you were struggling to find, um, you know, a position that that fit exactly what you wanted to be doing. And I think you're exactly right. If you had found one, who knows? I mean, you might still be in that job now. And right. not that that would be so terrible, but I think you've... Um, I think you're more likely than not happier, you know, kind of in your own practice and doing it the way you want to be doing it. And so, yeah, um, absolutely. So anybody who kind of, any anybody who's listening who kind of has a unique angle to what they want to do, even if it doesn't even exist yet, um, I guarantee you there are people out there. If If you find a particular method useful and meaningful, and if it is backed by science, of course, that is a critical element here then there's nothing stopping you from making your practice your own. It doesn't have to be this cookie cutter, you know, private practice, right? And that's that's really the point of the show. And gosh, I'm so glad that you got a chance to be on because you encapsulated all that so beautifully. Thank you so much. I'm I'm glad that you invited me. And, um, you know, I, I totally resonate with what you said earlier, which is now that I'm doing this work as an entrepreneur, I can't imagine going back. I cannot imagine going back. I never want to go back because it's so much fun. It is so much fun to bring to life your own ideas and to work in a way that is meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Perfect. All right. Reina, well, thank you so much. I want to give listeners a chance to find out more about you and about the amazing work you're doing. So um, yeah, if you can just share your website and maybe any social media that you're on as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So people can find out more about my practice, which is FloridaArtTherapyServices.com. And we're on Instagram uh, forward slash Florida Art Therapy Services and also Facebook, same thing, forward slash Florida Art Therapy Services. And um, my consultation business is CreativeCliniciansCorner.com. And there you'll find the Creative Psychotherapist podcast on there. And our Instagram and Facebook are the same, forward slash Creative Clinicians Corner uh, for Instagram and Facebook forward slash um, Creative Clinicians Corner on Facebook. Great. Awesome. I'm sure one of the side benefits of doing art therapy is that your social media must be uh, quite colorful and um, full of creative full of creative submissions. I think that's uh that's definitely some, you know, side benefit of of being in the art therapy world. Um, we try. Yeah. <laughs> I have to confess though, I have I have 
I have assistants that help me with that. Oh, well, I would only assume so. <laughs> you can't do it all yourself, right? Yeah, but but they're also creative. I think that's that that draws them in, right? They want to be creative too. So yeah, I think good. everybody has an idea that you are busy. Um, so it is totally understandable. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah, Raina, thank you again so much. Thank you so much, Brandon. I appreciate it. Alrighty. Best of luck to you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Coaches Circle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to our show just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you'd like to check out a complete listing of all of the episodes on our show, head on over to lifecoachpath.com slash podcast. See you on the next one.